Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. Here at Keith Middle School, this is going to be a locker room talk. Those of you guys who have been with us from the beginning, you know we have locker room talks. So pretend you are on a team called New Life South Coast. And you're about to fight or you're about to play the biggest game of your life. It's amazing to me, you know, a football team takes months to prep for a season. How much more should the people of God be prepped for the things that God wants to do in our lives? There are football players right now being in closed doors memorizing their playbook. How much more should we be memorizing God's playbook for us? My friends, we are in a war. We are in a fight. And next week, we're taking ground. You know, it's just another layer of what God wants to do. But it takes people to understand what he means to be part of God's team. And so today is a locker room talk. If you're new with us, listen, you, you get to know a little bit about what we're trying to do here. So you get to understand what we're trying to get into. But tell your neighbor, today's locker room talk, yo. It's, a, it's about to get real and raw in this place. I want to talk to you about some of the, some of the ingredients that has gotten us this far. You know, and, and, and it's one of those talks where I couldn't think about any clever title other than how did we get here? Okay, that's what I want to talk to you about today because these are the things we cannot neglect. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. It's part of what, we, what I believe God has created us to be. Every local church has a unique DNA. And this is what I believe God has put in us to be and do. Can you say amen? amen. I got a text this week from one of the young men who was with us from the beginning, Wesley. Some of you guys might remember that name. But Wesley was part of the first ever Join the mission class we had, we used to call it Pathways to New Life. And then we changed it to Grow Track. And now we call it Join the Mission. Because we wanted to make it clear, like, you're joining a mission. Uh, but Wes was part of that first group of people. And he texts me this week, Wes is a number guy. Wes keeps records of everything. Wes texts me this week, and now he lives in Ohio. Because since then, God's been, you know, opened amazing doors for him to move to Ohio. And actually married someone that he grew up with. <laughs> Which is, what a cool story, you know, that God brought him back to Ohio and married the, the girl. I think they were next door neighbors, you know, how crazy is that? That's a God moment right there, you know. But Wes texted me this week, he's like, you know, this coming Sunday, we'll, we'll make 281 weeks since we launched New Life South Coast. 281 weeks that we launched this church. And I love that, that he keeps records of every single thing. And Wes, to me, embody what we are trying to do in this place. Because when Wes came in, he was a mess. Okay, Wes was a mess. Wes came, and I remember Wes used to sit right, right in the front. And during worship, Wes would be like this the whole time. Just down. But the presence of God was getting on him. And God was transforming him. Next thing you know, Wes started to get straightened up. And Wes started worshiping God. And Wes started serving. And Wes got transformed. Wes got healed. Wes was actually leading one of our teams before he left this place. And he said one of the most powerful things I've heard someone say about this church. He said, listen, this church made me so uncomfortable, but I wanted more. How awesome is that? My friends, if you're not uncomfortable, you don't grow. And if you're too comfortable, you won't grow. Right? And so this locker room talk is about the things that we've seen God do with us over the years that I, I pray continues to get passed down to us. Whether you've been here for the first time or a hundred times, I believe that God brings people together to accomplish things we cannot do on our own. We don't believe in maverick Christians. We don't believe in lone rangers. We don't believe in super Christians. We believe in Christians that live in community with each other who can encourage each other, can bless each other, can strengthen each other, can, can stir each other on. And as the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. We need each other on this thing. There's no such thing as a selfish Christian. Right? We're called to be selfless in this thing. Amen? And so this week, I also came across this interesting report that came out Friday. 
this Friday, this report came out. It's a report titled Post-Christian Cities in America. This report is based on these facts, right? They said it's based on these are, these are the cities that people no longer go to church regularly. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray. Mostly, these are the nons. I don't know if you're familiar with the nons. Like, they no longer identify themselves with any type of religion. Right? And, and watch this, right? We are, my friends, on the wrong side of history right now when it comes to being post-Christian cities. Right? If you have laser eyes to see that. Um, New Bedford is ranked number three right next to Providence as one of the most post-Christian cities in the entire nation. Tied with Providence, where, where we just opened a campus in Providence, by the way. Right? And my friends, even though this may be alarming for me, this is, this is good news. You know why this is good news? Because as churches are closing in our city, we're about to open one. Right? We're, we're about to launch one. Right? As people are saying no to religion, I believe people are saying yes to relationship with Jesus. So I don't see this as bad news. I actually embrace this. Because I don't know if you remember, when we launched this church in 2014, Time Magazine had an article that said, Hey, America, welcome your new Sodom and Gomorrah, and we were it. It was us in Providence again. There's something about us in Providence, right? But it was right in the middle of that article that we launched the church, right? So I love this because to me, God looks at this and says, watch this. Watch what I will do in the middle of what's going on. Five and a half years, my friends, we have become the biggest church in the city, okay? So there is reason to celebrate when you see things like this, right? But at the same time, there's reason to say we got work to do, right? We can't settle, right? We can't be satisfied when our city is being called one of the most post-Christian cities in the entire nation, right? So that means all of us have to be on mission, Right? All of us have to be on board and focus on what God wants to do. That's why I'm saying I, this is a locker room talk because we have a lot of work to do. Right? God's given us a headquarters for a reason, for a purpose. The goal, my friends, is not a building, it's a mission. The building is the headquarters for the mission itself. So it's important today that we lock in and focus on the things that God wants to do. Can you say Amen. So, my friends, I want to read a scripture to you before I get into these ingredients. It's in Isaiah 26, verse 12. And I love this scripture because I think it's so fitting for where we are right now. It says this, Lord, you will grant this peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. There's no other explanation other than that Jesus is doing this. Right? In the natural, it makes no sense. We're, we're supposed to be a post-Christian city. No one's supposed to be going to church anymore. No one cares anymore. But here we are. We're thriving in a place where no one believed it could happen. Isaiah goes on to say that God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. My friends, I believe God's putting the new in New Bedford and in the South Coast region. And he's doing it through all of us. Can you say amen? So we should welcome, let religion die. But let the Spirit of God rise and get a hold of people's hearts and minds. Because people, I find this fascinating, people are turned off by religion, but they are looking for hope. They're looking for healing. They're looking for restoration. Only Jesus can restore people. Religion won't do it, my friends. We need the presence of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this in our own strength. It's by the power of God's Spirit that we're going to see more of his will in our lives. Can you say amen? So how do we get here? I think it's critical that we look at some of the key things that has made us who we are as we move into this new place. The first thing I need us to understand today, again, locker room talk, the first thing we need to understand is that we got here because we have spiritual covering. I can't tell you how important that is to me. Again, we live in a day and age where where people are loners and they do their own thing and and they want to be anointed, but they don't have covering. You see, God works where there's authority. God works where there's structure. 
God works where there's submission. See, we don't like that word submission, but there is no breakthrough without submission. And we talked about the word submission before. It's the word permission, right? When you allow other people to speak into your life, right? And I know we live in a day and age where we can access podcasts from all over the world from so many great teachers, but the Bible says you don't have a lot of spiritual fathers. You have great teachers, but spiritual fathers are different. Right? Spiritual fathers what gives you the spiritual covering that you all need. And this, my friends, is a picture of what took place the Sunday before we had our first Sunday morning service was our pastors and leaders and board praying over us, commissioning us, and believing that we are following the blueprint that's been set out for us for over 30 years. So we didn't come here in a vacuum. We came here under covering. And that's so important to me. Right? I know a lot of people who are gifted, but don't submit. There's a lot of people who have talent, but they don't have covering. And my friends, I believe the reason why we're seeing the things we're seeing in this church is because we have covering. It's because we have a pastor, right? And our pastor has a pastor, right? That's the beauty of this thing, is that you're not doing this in a vacuum. I've seen people try to start churches without covering, and it's really hard. It's hard we're covering, never mind without it, right? And so to me, my friends, we have to understand that, yes, we have a lot of podcasts out there, and, and you may have your favorite teacher, but you don't have a lot of covering. And I would tell you this, without covering, you don't see the fullness of God's will over your life. You can listen to a podcast every single day of your life, but if you don't have a pastor, who is leading your spiritual growth? Right? If there is no father in the house, the house is in chaos. That's why the battle against families is so critical. Fathers have to take their role. And there needs to be spiritual fathers in the faith. And I thank God that I'm not doing this without my spiritual father. I am so grateful to have these people in my life that I can go to, that I can get counsel and covering and prayer and advice and wisdom. Man, I'm so thankful that I'm not trying to figure this out on my own. I, I check in with them all the time. And that's why I'm so excited that the first ever message in the new building will come from Pastor Steve. You know, I love that. Uh, my friends, this is the locker room talk. I'm not your pastor if you listen to every other podcast, but you don't listen to what's being preached here. It's a locker room talk now. There's a lot of great teachers out there, but you're supposed to have one pastor. And the word that's being preached here is way more important than the word that you're getting out there because you might tickle your ears, but what is the mission that we're supposed to be on together in this place? So that's the number one thing. Spiritual covering is so important. Because spiritual covering is deeper than just preaching. Spiritual covering means my marriage is under spiritual covering. My kids are under spiritual covering. My finances are under spiritual covering. My business is under spiritual Everything I do has a covering. That's what people don't understand. When you're bouncing from church to church, you don't have covering. You're open to anything. And you have to ask the question, don't just listen to someone's teaching. you got to understand, do they have a covering? Is their marriage healthy? Is their business healthy? All of that is covering. And I'm glad to be part of something that's been healthy for over 30-something years. And is still yielding fruits. And is still creating change in our region. And I thank God that we have a pastor. That's the most important thing. Every time people ask me, why do you think the church is growing? That's the first thing I say. Because we have covering. We're not doing this on our own. I don't believe in Lone Rangers and, and Mavericks and, and church hopping. I believe in being rooted and grounded under the authority that God has put in my life. And I told him, I'm not leaving unless you bless me to go. He'll tell you conversations we've had even before coming. For two years, we wrestled, prayed about leaving under his blessing, under his will. I really believe that. Some people don't see the fullness of God's will because they do things prematurely without God's timing on it. Even though this is a locker room talk, I believe it applies to every area of life. Right? Covering is critical to what God wants to do because God does not forsake his principles. He says, I do everything in decency and order. Without order, without structure, there's no growth. So that's the number one thing. The second thing, my friends, that has made us who we are today, it's part of our DNA, is that we came here by faith. 
Now, I know that sounds cliche to say, right? Faith. Because we're supposed to live by faith. But you'd be surprised how many Christians give faith lip service. Some people will say faith, but they don't operate in faith. Some people will have great Facebook posts on faith, but their lives don't resonate faith. Locker room talk. Keep it here. <laughs> but faith, my friends, is actually activating what God said to do. It's not just cute posts. Let me tell you what happened to us. We had to move here pregnant with our fourth child without knowing if this thing was going to work. God never said, hey, go to New Bedford and I'll give you a big church. God only gives you one thing at a time. And if you obey that one, then he'll show you the next thing. All, all we heard was go to New Bedford. And I was hesitant. Because I was like, I want to live in New Bedford. And you know, God has a sense of humor. Because I'm like, I don't want it's too many one ways. That's the only reason I had. Funny because I, I, I lived in Pawtucket. It's not any different. Like, Pawtucket and New Bedford is literally the same. You know? And my wife would tell me, yeah, well, be careful what you say. And she was right. God was leading us here. But here's the thing. We told God, we said, we're going to buy a house before starting the church because we want to be serious about this. We're going to put down roots. Come hell or high water, we've made up our mind, God. You said to do this. Not one church member yet, not knowing where we're going to have service, not knowing that this was going to be. Not, we all we knew is, God, you said go, we're going to go, we're going to buy a house because there's no plan B. Not get an apartment. If it doesn't work out, we're going back. It's like, no, we're buying a house. Like, in other words, we're putting down roots, God, and you'll do the rest. We moved here in November of 2013, and the church started in January of 2014. But my friends, it requires faith to do the things of God. It's not wishful thinking. It's faith. Faith has legs. Faith goes. Faith does. And as you're doing it, God will reveal the next thing to you. Right? And so we, we've gotten here by faith. And this building we're going into, trust me, a lot of faith. To believe God for something that big in a city where churches are closing. Tell me God is not good. Third thing, my friends, that got us here is prayer. Again, you know what's funny? The most cliche things are the things we overlook. Right? Christians are supposed to pray about everything, but we don't. We give a lip service. Right? The worst thing in our society is, my prayers are with you, but you don't pray. You ever heard that? Thoughts and prayers. What, do you actually pray? <laughs> Good vibes. What does that mean? Do you pray? My friends, it's prayer. It's been the heartbeat of this church. This is a picture of the first prayer walk we ever had. Right here in this parking lot. Before we had a service, before we did anything, we said we're going to pray in the city first. Because when you pray, you're inviting God into it. Right? This was the first time ever in the parking lot. And I remember that morning because I remember in Rhode Island, I was still living in Rhode Island, we came down to pray. And I was, I was, as I was leaving my house, my wife hit me with this. My wife goes, we're pregnant. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I felt like I just got hit and punched in the face. Like, wait, are we pregnant with the church or we're real? Like, she goes, both. I was like, oh my God. I'm really going to die now. I remember driving here in a fog. Like, I don't know how I got here. Like, like Jesus took the wheel, because I was like, <laughs> I was doing this, you know. And I, I have no idea what I said in this huddle, because I was like, out of it. I think all I said was, we're going to pray. <laughs> Y'all better pray for me, because I. <laughs> and it's been like that. We've prayed over everything. You, you cannot do anything remotely divine without prayer. It's how you invite God into things. And we've had prayer meetings in places that you, you, to, you, you couldn't find it on GPS. I'm telling you, the places that we've had prayer meetings. I remember one time, we had a, I didn't even know what this place is, like a wine cellar or something. Like, we're like, there's all this wine. Like, what's, but we're, we're like, we've got to find a place to pray. And this is, my friends, this has been our heart. At this new building, when you walk in, this place has been prayed for. 
Man, we've been praying over that place, soaking that place with prayer. Because Jesus said, when two or three are gathered, I'm right there, right in the middle of it, praying, <laughs> believing. We don't do anything without prayer, my friends. It's why I believe we see the things that we see. Because we say, God, we're not doing this without you. There's no way we're going to do this without you. There's not a Sunday that I will come here without first going and be with God. I have my own service before I have service. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that's my routine. I have to have my own personal service before I have to come have corporate service. You want public power? Have private prayer. That's how you're going to see what God will do in your life. Next. The next thing, my friends, is hard work. Again, cliche as it sounds, some Christians pray, but they don't work. It takes hard work to have a healthy church, especially a mobile church. Do you understand that all the stuff you see in here didn't just appear? Do you know that the school doesn't own any of this stuff? We own all of this stuff. Did you know this, that to launch this place with nobody, we put $25,000 already ahead of this thing to buy all the equipment? doesn't fall from heaven. It takes people who are willing to put in the work. There was about 25 of us in the beginning. And we're like, man, everybody's got to do something. We have no luxury of looking around. You're it. (laughs) And I love that because it forced us to take ownership quickly. And I remember one of the first meetings, this is Bill and Daryl. They're like, we'll take the trailer. We're like, great, you're on. That's your ministry. Ride the trailer back and forth because we need to have church. Everything that you see in the kids' wings is ours. Goes into a trailer. Two trailers now. Started with one. Kept growing. Now we have two trailers. But my friends, it takes hard work. And you know what hard work is? Hard work is where the anointing of God comes. It's funny because everybody prays for anointing. But no one understands what that means. Do you understand when you say, God, anoint me, you're saying, God, break me? You know the anoint? You're like... There's a trend right now on oils, ladies, oils, essential oils. You know why they're so expensive and which they are? My God, those things are expensive. You know why? Because to get one drop of oil takes a lot of crushing. Do you understand when you say, God, anoint me, you're saying, God, crush me, that I may produce something significant in my life. That's what hard work is, my friend. Listen, Pastor Steve always says God anoints the hard work. He meets you at your hard work. When you're praying and you're working, because faith without works is, it's dead. That's what I'm saying. Some people give faith lip service. It's not wishful thinking. It's not, oh, I wish you would do this. It's like, God, I'm going to go out there and do what you asked me to do, and I believe you're going to anoint it. You're going to use it. It takes hard work to start something from scratch. But you know what's crazy? We started setting up this place not knowing who's going to show up. We're like, we know there's 25 of us. Let's see what happens. Let me show you this. The next thing is this, my friend, is is ownership. It's everybody buying into it. That's how we've gotten to this place. Everybody's saying, oh, that's my church. I need to do something. From the beginning, we had a saying, if you're not serving, you're not living. Oh, that's a great saying. Because Jesus said, I came to serve and be a ransom for many. I didn't come to be served. And he says, you want to be like me? Learn to serve. Learn to put your hands to the plow. And that's what we built this church on. From the beginning, everybody had a role. Every single person had to do something. Because we're like, we can't afford you just watching this thing. You ever watch the Monday morning quarterbacks who tells you what you should be doing, but they never played? Everybody had to play a role, my friends. That's how this church has been built. From the very beginning, we said we have to work at this thing together. Everybody has to do something that says, I am in this thing. That, my friends, is how churches grow. It's not rocket science why churches are dying. It's lack of ownership. People don't care. They think the pastor or the priest is supposed to do the work. But they never read scriptures that the pastor and the priest are supposed to equip you to do the work. 
Like, it's the people who's supposed to do the work of the ministry. We watch Nehemiah, right? We've been following the people doing the work, taking ownership, saying, oh, this is my church. I need to serve. I need to give. I need to, I need to pray. I need to worship. I need to bring my word to this thing. It takes all of us. Right? So when you see all this, some of y'all, you're like, ah, oh, this is so nice. It's work. It's ownership that makes this thing go. The next thing, my friends, is this. It's outreach. I love this about this church. From day one, it's always been about reaching out. Do you want to know why churches die? In reach. People don't care. And they wonder why the churches are dying. From the beginning, we said, no, we're going to be a church for the unchurch. Right? We're going to go out and be what Jesus said to be. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Like Jesus never said, come and stay. He said, come and go. Receive it and then go and give it, right? From the beginning, we were all about outreach. We did our first outreach when we were only five months old. I remember we went to Hazelwood Park and put on Rock the City and blessed so many families. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. In five and a half years, we've blessed thousands of people with tangible things. We, we have an ongoing relationship with the shelters of the city. When they need something, they call us. Last week, I just had a meeting with the city again. They're like, hey, this, you guys are moving in here, and there's a park that needs help, and would you guys be willing to adopt this park? I said, of course we will. We're going to do everything we can to be a blessing in this city. The third phase of our building has a food pantry yet to be built. We believe that food pantry is going to help hundreds of families every week. With, with basic needs. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I, was, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. We have two prison ministries that happen twice every month. My friends, it's about outreach. You can't say you have Jesus and keep it to yourself. It's all about the next person. It's all about how can I bless the next person. My friends, it blows my mind when I hear people who say they love Jesus but don't love others. It blows my mind when I hear people say, you know, I like my church to be small. And I, what I want to say to those people is, man, you're not going to like heaven. You're going to go to heaven and go, oh, I don't like this. And God's going to tell you, there's an alternative. Like, my friends, church is not supposed to be a social club. Church is supposed to be a movement of God's people who are bringing more and more people into the knowledge and wisdom of God's grace and goodness for their lives. This church will never be big enough as long as there's people without Jesus. That's going to be our heart. Listen, I usually don't like to say these things, but I'm going to put this out there. It's locker room. But I, I have this heart that that plaza will turn it into a community center. You know, that, and this may sound crazy to you. It's crazy to me because I don't know how we're going to do this. But I feel this passion that we're supposed to eradicate extreme poverty from the city. I don't know how, but I, I, I believe it. I just, that is my crazy dream. That there will be no homeless people in the city. There will be no panhandlers in this city. You know? Because if we're not doing that, what are we doing? Like, what wakes you up in the morning if not helping people? That, to me, is the heartbeat of what we're trying to do here. Every time we go into the prison ministry, my goodness, it's so beautiful. You want to see Jesus? Reach out to people. Talk to a panhandler, you'll see Jesus. Talk to someone struggling on the street, you'll see Jesus. You won't see Jesus if all you think is about yourself. Trust me, you won't. That's why he said, when you clothe them, it's like you're doing it to me. When you visit them, it's like me. I'm telling you, we have to be a church that's always thinking about one more. Can you say amen? Yeah. Go to my next one, fighting. You don't build something without a fight. There is, you know, I tell people, listen, when you get saved, you're not supposed to get rid of everything from before. You're supposed to redeem it. In other words, some of y'all are feisty. You're supposed to have a redemptive feistiness. Some of you are stubborn. You're supposed to have a redemptive stubbornness. And some of y'all are fighters. So why give up the fight now? No, it's about fighting about the right things now. That's, that's the whole point. Right? 
God created you to fight. The problem is a lot of us, when we're not on mission, we'll fight all the wrong stuff. But I believe God will put a fight in you. I believe this extreme poverty thing is a fight. That's a fight to eradicate poverty. This is a picture of one of the, one of the um, things that we do against human trafficking. You know, the kids get sold for slavery, for, for sex. And someone has to say, that's not okay. Right? And so we partner with a global mission to help bring this to reality. And in the middle of doing that, we found out a woman from our church got into that. She was drugged and sold. And today she's redeemed and transformed. We got to fight. Understand this. The way God works with you is he uses what drives you. Understand the inside of you right now, if you pay attention, there's a fight. Some of you are meant to fight the drug epidemic in our city. We have a group of people who do that. Some of you are meant to fight kids with no education. That's why kids' ministry is so important. Do you know that some of those kids will never have anyone say, I love you, I, I, I'm for you, I'm going to give you a hug. It's a fight, my friends, to help people become who God created them to be. All of us have a fight. That's why... I'll never stop saying this. That's why if you only come to church, but you don't put up a fight for something, you're dead. You have no life in you. It's religion. Pay attention. When Jesus said, take up your cross, he's saying, what is the fight that I put in you? Put a fight in you. Pay attention. Because the very thing you complain about is the thing he wants you to fight. Sometimes the way you want to know God's will for your life, pay attention to what annoys you. God's saying, do something about it. Don't complain about it. I want you to do something about it. Right? You, you get annoyed seeing panhandlers, stop and, and have a conversation with them and begin to help them rebuild their lives. Fight for something. Well, the Bible says that we're called to fight for justice, for righteousness, for peace. We're suppo- like, you don't like our, our political system? Then run. Fight. Support somebody. Get the right person into office. It's not about whining and complaining. Anyone could do that. It takes a fight. Right? I don't know about you. When I see post-Christian city, there's a fight that raises up and says, God, we're going to do something about this. We're going to preach and we're going to pray and we're going to invite and we're going to believe and we're going to read and we're going to do everything we can to see our city transform. How annoying it is to see people say, I can't wait to leave New Bedford. It's like, you have no fight. Because no matter where you go, you're there. Hello. Good morning, naysayer. You don't need a hater. You're it. People don't realize that. It's like, you're the hater. You're the one with no fight. Right? Because no matter where you go, what are you going to do with you? That's a message for another time. Locker room. Watch, let's just go. Listen, we got here by being unorthodox. This is so important. You know why? Because people would rather keep their tradition than reach people. You know why churches are dying? Because of tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition. I actually love tradition, but tradition is dead without the spirit moving something new in it. That's what happens with churches. People will hold on to sacred cows. As opposed to release it and say, God, what is something new you want to do? See, the gospel is the same. But Paul says, I become all things to all men that I might win some. That's when you know you're on mission. That your personal preference takes a back seat to the mission. Like for some people, the fact that we do hip-hop in church is blasphemy. You know why it's blasphemy? Because their personal point of view is more important than reaching people. And you wonder why there's no young people in church. So you would rather have a social club of 10 people than to actually release it to the Lord and say, God, how can we reach this next generation who doesn't know you? By the way, I would love to know what is in God's playlist right now. Wouldn't you like to know that? Because we all have our personal preferences. But for all I know, God could be listening to Full or Not right now. 
I don't know. Keith Vernon's not what I'm talking about. That's, that's a Keith Vernon style of music. Because I believe when we get to heaven, we are going to speak Keith Vernon, just, just so you know. Just so you know, start learning now. But my friends, we cannot let personal preferences get in the way of reaching people. That's when church begins to die, where it's all about, oh, this is what I like. I'll be honest with you, if, if we did my style of music, my wife tells me all the time, she's like, man, if we did your style of music, the church would be sleeping by the time church is over. Because <laughs> my worship, man, I like my worship nice and slow. I'm an old soul when it comes to worship. It's like just, I like my slow roast. Just take your time. Get me to the presence of God. You know, believe me, that's my thing. But it's not about me. That's the thing we have to understand. This is bigger than all of us. For all I know, God could be listening to country music right now. Which is an oxymoron. Country music. Country music. God could be bumping Old Town Road, but I don't know. That's how far music has come. That's a hit right now. Man, we're terrible. That's a hit. Where did he run? Never mind. I just, I can't get sidetracked. My friends, it takes unorthodox methods to reach people. You have to understand. The problem is, I love churches. It breaks my heart. I meet with different pastors from different congregations. We pray and we believe God to reach people. But the problem with churches is we get stuck in our methods. And we lose the heart for people. Some churches you walk into, it's like, man, whoa, we went back in time. It's like 1985 in here. People still using the slide thing to put lyrics down. Like, you see, you see your grandmother's fingers on the thing? You know. Say, and then you come out, you're like, whoa, 2019 again. Like, what? That was 1985. Is it about the lights? Is it about the music? Of course not. But there needs to be a bait. He said, be fishers of men. Right? right? I don't know much about fishing, but I know it takes the right bait to catch some kind of fish. Right? You don't go, here's a brick. Hope you like it. Right? What serious fisherman goes, I don't care. No, you, you, the more skillful you are, the more you know what to use. Shouldn't we be the best fishermen possible to reach as many people as possible? The gospel doesn't change. It's the methods that needs to be upgraded to keep up with our society. Who doesn't want to do anything with God? And I don't blame them. Because the problem is not God. It's our methods. The problem is when we don't recognize that, we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. And here we are arguing things that God doesn't care about. People arguing style of music, style of preaching, style of... It's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you're just a social club. Because no one's getting saved. If no one's getting saved, we're not church. There needs to always be new blood in here. And you know what, 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 what frustrates me? Locker room talk. It's when veteran Christians get in the way of new Christians. Because we're too holy. And we're true righteousness. We know everything. You don't know anything. It's like, is that how you want someone to talk to you? Is that how you want someone to treat you? Or do you create a welcoming atmosphere for people to explore this thing so they can grow? I've heard people told me they've came because of how I dress. How crazy is that? Even what you dress is preaching. Because people want to feel comfortable to explore this. True story. My man Paul at the door. Paul waved to everybody. Here's one example. Paul would not come to church. Wife tried everything. Paul's like, I'm good. And I don't blame him. Because all he knew about church was old school, preconceived. And she's like, she told me that she's like, one day, I don't know why, I was, you was preaching. I had this idea. I pulled up my phone and I took a picture of your shoes. You were wearing your Jordans. And I sent it to my husband. I said, look, the pastor wears Jordans. You like Jordans. I think you might like him. <laughs> Guess what? 
He came. But you know what the best part is? He didn't just come. He met Jesus. He didn't just meet Jesus. He got baptized. He didn't just get baptized. He started serving. And now he's serving right there. So my friends, we must become all things to all men. That we might win some Pauls for Jesus. Because man, that's worth it. If anything, that just encourages me. Buy more Jordans. It's for the gospel. It's for Jesus. I want you to know right now, our young men are working on a full-blown hip-hop project right now that we're going to release sometime in the fall to reach more people for Jesus. That's what we're going to do. What's next? <laughs> Go for the one is a saying we have here, which means always thinking about one more person. Jesus left the 99 for the one. And he says, I want you to be like me. That's the kind of church we want to be. Always thinking about one more person. And it's personal, my friends. If your son or daughter was out there lost in the world, wouldn't you do everything to reach them? So guess what? Every person is a son and a daughter somewhere. And we need to do everything we can to reach one more person for the love of Jesus Christ and for the sake of their soul. We're not playing games here. There are so many lost people out there. That's why I don't get it when people say, that church is too big. It's like, can it ever be big enough if your daughter was out there, if your son was out there? Wouldn't you make room for one more if he was your best friend? What would you do if the people you care about the most was going to hell? Wouldn't you do everything you can? We can't save anybody, but we can certainly go for them and do our best to present Jesus to them so they can have a chance of having their lives restored and healed and blessed. It's unacceptable for me to be saved and not see someone else get saved. That's the heart of the gospel, my friends. We cannot keep this to ourselves. That's why churches are dying. Because it's all about me, myself, and I. You know, it's funny. Most people talk about heaven or hell, think they're already in. If we weren't sure, we wouldn't be talking like that. Because we're going to be surprised. So we want to have a heart that's always thinking, what's, what's one more person? If you're paying attention, you're going to see this week. That person could be sitting next to you in a cubicle. That person could be going to the same gym as you. That person could be playing on the same team as you. That person could be going to the same Dunkin' Donuts as you go. I'm telling you, they're all around us. All we have to do is pay attention. And watch God make divine connections and says, let me introduce you to someone who has changed my life. Listen, this is how we're going to reach this city for Jesus. Constantly going for one more person. I always ask new people, how did you hear about the church? There's two common things I hear all the time. is word of mouth or, believe it or not, social media. Everything that we do on social media is to, is to reach one more person. We're not doing stuff to impress we're doing stuff to hopefully put another thing in your life that might help you. You know what I tell our media guys when we're working on graphics and videos? I said, pray that it's a divine interruption in someone's life. Pray that as they're scrolling, this makes them stop. Because if we're not doing that, then we're just adding to the noise. Right? But make them stop. When we put a clip out there, make them stop. And when you share a clip, you're helping us spread that word. That's why, again, sometimes I wish Christians, locker room talk, I wish we were more selfless. I wish we thought about other people more. Because all we think about is, oh, that was good, that blessed me. Yeah, if it blessed you, why'd you keep it to yourself? Why didn't you hit that for somebody else? My friends, I love hearing feedback from people who are new to church. They don't have the spiritual language yet. They don't know how to articulate it. They're not saying things like, Bless you, Pastor. That message was uh, divine. <laughs> no one talks like that, by the way. That's just... You know what I love to hear when people's like, yo, that was off the hook. It's like, okay, now we're speaking your language. We're getting to you. There was a guy 
that was in the bathroom, someone told me, he's like, yo, you went to the bathroom. He said, yo, that mask was off the chains. I was like, yes. That means we're reaching people who don't know anything about church. My friends, always thinking about one more is what makes church exciting. That's what makes you, you ever had this, talking to someone? You don't need a roller coaster, just share the faith. This will make you tick. If you, if you don't have this, you're not living. Do you think we didn't feel this, trying to launch this thing? You didn't think we didn't go, oh my God. It's a big place, what are we doing, what are we doing? You think I don't feel that when I walk through that building? 1.2 million. Oh my God, what are we doing? But guess what? That's where life is. That's where life is. When there's excitement, there's something you're living for. It's not just hum, hum, religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for the one. I pray that's always our heart. There's always one more person God wants us to reach. Go ahead. Am I done yet? This is it. Listen, two years ago, I'll never forget this. Two years ago, we thought we had a building. And we said, we're going for it. And we rallied. We said, you know what? We're going to take an offering, a sacrificial offering. And we're going to go and get this building. In one day, at that time, the church only had about 500 people. In one Sunday morning in New Bedford, Massachusetts, post-Christian city, we raised $430,000 in one day. One day. Something powerful happens when you begin to understand there's more to life than just me. My God, what is 430,000 people in light of eternity? It doesn't compare. I've never done a funeral where people are taking it with them. But everybody's hoping they made it home. My friends, that's what we're living for, eternity, eternity. Every time I do a funeral, I feel a sense of peace. It's like, man, because we know this is going to come. I say this to keep things in perspective because I say this, and people who don't understand mission and vision, all they see is money. We're seeing people. We're seeing healings. We're seeing transformation. We're seeing next generations. We're seeing lives being restored and healed and transformed. And so many of you guys sacrificed so much to make this happen. You know what your sacrifice was. But tell me, all of you who bought into this, has it been worth it or not? You tell me. You tell me. My wife and I are big believers that we don't ask anyone to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. That's how we lead. And I remember we were saving to buy a house because we have like 10 kids. <laughs> and the house we had bought into was becoming small. And so we were like, man, this is it. Like, we're going to buy a house. We had $10,000 and we gave it all. All of it. We exhausted our savings. But we, it wasn't like, oh my, it was like, God, we trust you. We trust you that you, you will open a door for our house. You know, the whole thing, $10,000, the biggest offering I've ever done. And it felt awesome. It was like, oh, my God. I remember the day I was praying. I thought we were going to get 5000 And then I heard, you ever try to pray, but God's trying to talk to you? But you're trying to tell him what to do? Yeah, we're going to give 5000 guys. Like, you mean like five and a half? I remember coming home, like, I remember my wife being in the kitchen. And I was like, uh, I think I heard from God. I say I think I heard from God because I'm not that guy like God told me all the time. Okay. I like to say I think I heard from God. There's humility in that. Religious people are prideful. I heard from God. Usually the guy that says I heard from God gave $5. Side note. <laughs> okay. Locker room talk. But I told her and she was like, then it is. We, we do what God says. We came here with nothing. What can we lose? Not even a month later, we get one of those divine letters. Someone said, here's, here's a check because we believe you're supposed to get your house this year. Wow. And guess what? We got the house. 
Good. Telling you, man, God has never, ever failed us. And the money kept coming in. And now we're going into a place we have no business going into. My friends, I don't know if you understand. Debt free. You know how big that is? So when people say, you know, the church wants your money, I'm like, I wish you understood. That money for us is so small. Money is so small compared to the goodness of God. What do you think that money is going to worth in eternity? Nothing. Nothing at all. And what would you give for your kids to get saved? Everything. When it comes to the gospel, I'm Thanos, man. Everything. Whatever it takes. Avengers? No? Okay. My friends, these are the ingredients of a healthy church. Of a church that's not satisfied with status quo. A church that refused to be defined by others. And you've heard it. People, because they don't understand these things. When people don't understand things, they'll label you. Because it makes them uncomfortable. Right? You've heard people say we're a cult. Why? Because they can't understand how can you do things outside of normal tradition. Right? And every time you ask people, okay, define a cult first. And then give me at least three biblical reasons why. I'll stop preaching. I tell you, I'll stop preaching. But guess what? Personal preference means nothing in light of godly standards. It doesn't mean anything. Right? So we are going to stay rooted on God's word and God's truth. Right? And we're going to continue to build what he's called us to build. And if he doesn't come back, we're going to continue to open more churches until he comes back and takes over his whole earth that belongs to him. You guys can come up. Where's, where are they? You guys can come up, worship team. Wherever you are, sleeping. Come on, just. I want to end today's Pentecost Day in church history. We celebrate the day the Holy Spirit came upon the believers. Because this is not by might. It's not by power. Can you throw that last scripture for me? It's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heavens. Religion won't do this. Willpower is not going to do this. Wisdom is not going to do this. Talent is not going to do this. Charisma is not going to do this. Only the Spirit of God can do what we've seen in the last five years. And only the Spirit of God is going to do more in the next five, ten, fifteen, whatever year for this. Because as long as I have breath, we're going to preach Jesus. And we're going to believe Jesus to save and heal and restore and bless and strengthen and change our city. I hope that that statistic put a fight in you to say, Lord, as for me, you can count me in. I'm one of your soldiers in this army. I'm going to do my part in seeing your will being done. Would you stand with me as we pray? This week, here's what we're praying for as we go into our building. Listen, here's what we're doing as the staff and leaders. We're going to fast this week. We're fasting during our lunchtime. And here's what we're praying for. If you want to end, here's what we're praying for. We're praying for God's presence. Because we don't want a building. We want God's presence. We're praying for a heart for the house that all of us are saying, this is my house. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give. I'm going to worship. I'm going to invite. We're praying to be in awe for God, not the facility. It's a beautiful place. But it's God's presence that we want more than anything else. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.